Hey, it's Brandon Laws here, host of Transform Your Workplace. This episode is hosted and sponsored by Zenium HR. Zenium is helping small and medium-sized companies focus on what they do best, which is leading their organization and growing their business. And we do that by offloading the administrative duties of being an employer, which is payroll processing, benefits administration, HR strategy and consulting, and all those things that are just distracting, especially during times of COVID. So learn more about Zenium at zeniumhr.com. And I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Okay, today's episode is a really good one. I think it's timely for what we're dealing with right now. I had Charlotte Wiseman come on the podcast. She's a leadership and well-being consultant. And she explains her experience with burnout um, and her eventual path to mental fitness, which I think is really important at this time to talk about. Charlotte is redefining self-care. And she's going to provide insight for you as a listener so that you can experience genuine and long-lasting work-life balance. I think we all need that right now. So tune into this episode. It's going to be a great one. If you like what you heard, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us that five-star rating. Just click that little star. We're two away from 100. So if you'd be so kind, that would be fantastic if you could do that. And uh, we got lots of good stuff coming up. I'm, I'm really excited about some of these next episodes. So make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the episode with Charlotte Wiseman. Hey, Charlotte, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. It's good to be here. Please give me a little insight as to your background. You've got a fascinating story, and I think that would set the stage for what we're about to talk about, which is uh, burnout of leaders. Uh, yeah, so um, I have come to kind of do what I do now, which is a well-being and leadership consultancy and training, uh, basically through making every error in the book myself. Uh, so I worked in the fashion industry for many years, and it was about 10 years ago now that I'd had like a series of quick promotions and was suddenly managing a team and traveling internationally and from the outside, you know, had the dream job, essentially. Yeah. But at the same time, really thought that my work was the only thing I needed to keep going with. I looked after my physical health. I looked after my work. I thought as long as I did those things, that was happiness. That was success. And I carried on working harder and harder and, and found myself one day walking out of a factory in Indonesia and just suddenly feeling like I, I couldn't go on another day, um, like I simply couldn't keep living. And, and it was a, a real moment of, I guess, confusion more than anything of what did I need to change? What had gone wrong? How had I got here? But equally, just not knowing really what I needed to do or what I was doing wrong, just knowing I, I couldn't keep going like this. Well, and you, you'd said that you took care of your physical health. And so you, you must have been missing out on the mental part of it. Yeah, I'd really just let my my kind of five days a week become six days a week, which is easy when you're... <laughs> yeah, you just let it happen to you. I get that. And I think so many people have done that over the last few months while they're working from home because 
it's harder to switch the computer off at the end of the day, or it's, it's easy to just pick up that bit of work on a Sunday so that Monday's a little bit easier, but it just keeps going and it just keeps going. And, and I was working really six days a week, usually 14 and 16 hours a day. Oh and goodness. So, you know, once you take out like an hour from some exercise every day, to and from work every day. There was really just sleep, work, sleep, work, a little bit of exercise and a bit of food thrown down my throat while I was working. Um, so when I say I was looking after my physical health, you know, it felt like I was at the time, but I certainly wasn't thinking about taking time out or taking breaks or any of those things. And and I just got to this point where I, I didn't I didn't realize how out of perspective I'd let my entire life get, I guess. Um, yeah. And it was really through my recovery from that moment. I'd, I was advised to take work uh, time off work by my doctor, and I refused to. And I really, I really think that for me that was such an important step because my work was a very much a part of my recovery. It was learning to have a better and healthier relationship with my work, and that at the same time was giving me a sense of fulfillment, a sense of motivation, a sense of value, sense of growth. And, and I continued to work alongside my recovery from that moment, but at the same time wanted to understand what had gone on. So started to study psychology, uh, started to read a lot around uh, the science of, of resilience, the science of leadership, and eventually, years later, decided that all of this, this stuff that I'd been learning about was too important. So I decided to quit my job, go and do a master's in positive psychology and focus on leadership well-being and uh, positive psychology within the workplace and really how we can optimize our mental fitness, how that then can impact positively on our work, on our performance, on our productivity. And as well as that, it can also support our physical health, our relationships outside work and our quality of life as a whole. Um, and that's really what I do is I work with organizations to make sure that they're running and they're efficient in a way that is optimizing the performance of their teams, as well as optimizing the health of their teams and how that then enables them to attract and retain the best talent, get the, the best business results and improve their responsibility to, to society. Thanks for sharing your story. I think what's fascinating about you is... Um you got promotions, you worked long hours, you do what most people probably do, which is kind of let it happen to them. They think they're successful. But at some point, you reached a point where you probably had to be very intentional about making the decision like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm going to fall apart. At what point did you realize that? Did you get external help? It sounded like you maybe had, I mean, you, you had your doctor. Did you have other people telling you like, hey, look, you could keep going. You're going to just completely burn out. And maybe you're already there. You know what? It's, it's an interesting one because in hindsight, there had been people trying to tell me. And at the moment, I wouldn't have told you that anyone was trying to help me in any way because I was just doing my thing. And if I, if someone was interrupting me, I just thought they were interfering. And yet then suddenly it got to this point where it felt le less of a choice to step out and more of a, I'm physically so emotionally exhausted right now, I cannot go on. Um, and so, yeah, so for me, the first point of call, the first person I spoke to was my GP. Um, and then from there, it was talking to a therapist, starting to open up to friends and talk to other people. Um, I, I couldn't really tell you what, that 
that tweak was, you know, what that moment yeah. shifted it was, other than just a culmination of, I'll just get by another day. I'll just get by another season. I'll just get by another week. And again, I think that's what we're all at risk of doing these days is we go, it'll be better when that happens. I'll have the time to look after myself when that happens. And that moment when we've got the time to look after ourselves is never going to happen until we prioritize it. And so I think that's really, for me, the lesson is you don't find that time until you actually actively carve out that time and prioritize it. And we need to make that a priority because only when we do that can we support and inspire other people. And when we do that, when we do carve the time for ourselves, we're actually so much more productive with our time that we get the you know we get that time back because we're not wasting it through low productivity and through distraction and lack of focus and errors and all those things that we do when we allow ourselves to get so mentally and emotionally exhausted. So amid this health crisis, I know you've talked to a lot of leaders. How are they doing right now? Are they experiencing what you experienced and yeah. came to the conclusion that you need to make changes? Are they are they realizing that right now? I've been really, really impressed with the companies I work most closely with because of their awareness that they do need to look after themselves first and they need to be role models to their teams in looking after themselves rather than pushing through and just getting by. So I have been really impressed with that. I know that there is a lot of research to say that um, leaders are suffering globally when we look at the kind of the bigger the bigger picture. Certainly from the people I'm working with in the UK, and perhaps that is because I've been working with these organizations for, for two and three years and we've, we've got the message there, but they're actually doing very well at looking after themselves as well as offering the support to their teams and being mm-hmm. able to do that because they're looking after themselves. I was going to say, like the one, the one thing I would think is like if if CEO level people or leaders are burning out, that's going to impact their teams as well. And so it sounds like they're dealing with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is the that's the thing that is forgotten. You know, there's been such a push for the the concept of servant leadership over few over the last few years. Of you've got to put your people first. Well, you can't put your people first if you're stressed out and exhausted. Because you are going to be snappy, you're going to be uh, less compassionate, you're going to be less patient, you're not going to appear to be available if your teams need you. So yes, the idea of putting your people's uh, well-being uh, and performance and and supporting your people is so important. But to do that, you need to look after yourself first. I think that the areas that I see people struggling with most at the moment um, within the groups I'm working with is number one, self-doubt that they're not doing enough. As wow. Yes. Yeah. 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 Huge area of, I don't know if I'm giving enough. Am I giving the support they need? They say they're okay, but are they? And I think that self doubt is a really, really difficult area because essentially, you know, the people I talk to, they think they're supposed to be able to do more because there's so much out of our control right now. And they want to fix a problem which they cannot fix. So there's a huge benefit from being able to accept, okay, I can't fix it all for people, but I can listen, I can be honest, I can be open, I can be vulnerable, I can ask uh, and let people know I'm available if and when they want to speak. And that is enough. And that is enough. But but giving leaders that confidence is so important that just being available it is really powerful. Um The other area that people are struggling with is underestimating the emotional exhaustion of 
you know, redundancies, telling people bad news, all of that kind of negative news sharing is emotionally exhausting for leaders. And I am seeing that people are often underestimating that and, and needing to take extra care of themselves to make sure that they have got time out, they have got mentors or coaches or someone else to speak to who is external to their family and their friendship group and external uh, to their work environment. So they've got kind of a sounding board who they can just discuss that that experience with. Is the risk of burnout with leaders, is it inherent in their roles? Like it's always going to be there or is it just with the health crisis right now, is it magnified to a, a whole nother level? What would you say about that? I, I think there is to a certain extent a challenge with when leaders are, are sort of progressing through careers that they believe that as you go up within jobs, you should suddenly know all the answers and you don't need to keep learning and you're suddenly supposed to be able to do it all. And actually the absolute opposite is true that as you progress into more senior and senior roles, you need to be learning more. You need to be taking more time to consider your own well-being and your own mental fitness. And if that is if that is done effectively, if you do continue to develop your skills and learning new things about how you need to manage your own uh, mindset, then there is nothing that puts you more at risk as a leader than as a graduate. However, I think lots of organizations fail to address that. And there is a lot of uh, a lot of situations where people are propelled into senior roles without giving them the support they need. The current situation is just a new challenge for leaders. And if leaders, again, if they've been through an effective process of getting to that role, hopefully they will have gained the tools to manage this because this is about having an adaptable mindset. It's about understanding that, yes, challenge is something that we can't predict, but it's also an opportunity to grow stronger. This is an opportunity for companies to really bring teams together more than ever and build staff loyalty more than ever and, and give people the opportunity to, to take ownership of their work. So this is a real opportunity for organizations if they can understand that rather than just um, sit in the fear state of we don't know what we're going to do. How are we supposed to deal with this? We have plan for this. So I think it's a, it's a challenge, but I don't think it's one that has to lead to burnout. It's about leaders having the support to manage challenges like this, because there will be future ones like this as well. And we need to be honest about that. You know, it's not a once in a lifetime experience. There will be something else awaiting us keep growing so that we're stronger and ready for that. You wrote an article on Thrive Global and something jumped out at me. You, you wrote that leaders feel like they need to be a superhero in this time. And I think you just a little bit ago, you alluded to that a little bit, but instead of trying to be all things to all people and save the day and, and be that superhero, what's the right approach instead? Like, what would you recommend? I mean, employees are definitely looking to leaders to get up through this time, but instead of just trying to do it all, what's the better approach? Yeah, the, the, it's interesting you picked that out. That was, um, I've just completed a, a major study with three specific leaders who had a, quite a, a major crisis of well-being over the last few years and talking to them. And, and these three independent people from totally different um, uh, worlds in terms of their work, um, they all worked in the professional service industry. They all worked in, in London, but they were from different different areas. And 
they all spoke about this belief too often that leaders and they themselves at one point felt they had to be the superhero. They had to be the the savior, the the person that was going to have everybody looked after. But that was really one of the major catalysts to them having a major crisis or a burnout. So what what's really come from that research is that number one, if you are going to look after other people, you have to be looking after yourself first. Um, from the point of view of, you know, as simple as you get on a plane, you put your own oxygen mask on first. Yep. And and it's that concept that if you're trying to be a superhero to everyone else and you're the one that gets caught out, you're not going to be able to save anyone. So there is that idea. There is also the the knowledge and the research that you have more power as a leader by role modeling behaviors than you do by telling people to do anything. So that's very important. So as leaders, what you have the opportunity to do is actually empower your team. So they start to take ownership. And that is known to have a huge impact on people's motivation, fulfillment, uh, sense of self-belief. So actually you're helping others around you by empowering them to take more ownership rather than take over and control and do everything yourself. So you can start to ask more questions to your team and say, right, what are you going to, you know, what support do you need so that you can take control of this situation? Uh, what do you need from me so that I can enable you to take this, uh, this opportunity and go with it? So you can start to do that. And as, at the same time, that's about learning to say no, learning to play to your strengths uh, and really make sure that you're committing the time to the things that really have to be done by you not trying to do everything and be all things to all people. It should be about you being very, very focused with your time and your energy so that it's directed in the spaces that it is needed, not just that the things you could do. Uh, And sometimes that's about letting go a little bit of control to perhaps there's something you could do uh, and maybe you would do it better than someone else in your team. But if someone else can do it well enough and they can learn through that process, then that might be a better option. Since you've gone through this yourself with having a crisis of well-being and you talk to others that have gone through this as well, I'm curious, what are some of the symptoms that you see from a, cri- a crisis? I don't know if it's like a, a moment, like one moment, all of a sudden, boom, you, you realize <laughs> falling apart here, or if it builds up over time and you just start to see these symptoms kind of flare up. But I think for people listening, if they could be aware of these things before they happen, that would be ideal. So what are some of the things that come up? Yeah, absolutely. You're you're right. And that's the, the push of all my work is we need to start by noticing those early signs so we can take, you know, take a, some kind of action before it becomes a big issue. So the, the three core symptoms of what is classified as burnout, and that is, a, you know, a diagnosable condition. Um, and the World Health Organization have identified that and they, they consider it to be like on a sliding scale. But the three things we're looking for is number one, a sense of exhaustion. And that's not just physical exhaustion, because I'm guessing there will be people out there who are new parents and they have not had sleep for weeks because of <laughs> babies. And perhaps, you know, you've started to train for a marathon and you've got exhausted. So there's not just any exhaustion. There's a sense of like emotional exhaustion. A sense of kind of just can't even get yourself to have that energy and enthusiasm for life that perhaps you had. So it's it's about knowing that there can be emotional and physical exhaustion. The second thing is a sense of um, cynicism. 
And that could be a, a cynicism about the quality of your work, the purpose of your work, the purpose of your specific role. So just kind of getting to that point of, so what's the point? Why do I bother? And that was something that really came a lot through my interviews with these the CEOs recently was about the fact that you can often get pro- progression within an organization where you're put to the next level and you never stop to say, is this what I really want? Is this the organization with the values that I really believe in? Uh, and then once we get to that point and then you start to feel this cynicism about like, this isn't aligned with what I want to be or what I want or what I believe success to be that can cause a lot of problems. So that sense of cynicism. And the third aspect that we can look for is um, a sense of inefficacy. So that would be uh, perhaps believing that you're not doing your job as well as you could, should, would. Um, It also could be an actual reduction in productivity and performance. And I very much remember that I believed I was still doing my job well at that time. But really longer and longer and longer to do things. And in hindsight, I don't believe I was doing my job as well as I I could at that time. I don't think I was uh, inspiring the people around me. I think I was becoming a drain on the people around me. Um, I think I was really losing my sense of, of innovation and problem solving. I was just getting through the churn. So in hindsight, there was definitely that inefficacy going. But for me, the things I noticed more at the time was it just felt like everything was taking longer. Yeah. And I really felt that sense of cynicism, really felt that just like, what's the point? And that that was really, for me, I guess, the strongest thing I sensed in that moment. When you noticed all those, those symptoms coming from burnout, what was the first thing that you did to help yourself to try to get a hold of this? <laughs> it's, it's quite a funny and really ridiculous story because I at the moment when I I literally walked out of this factory and I I was hit by this this belief that I couldn't could not continue to live and uh, there were two people coming out after the factory behind me and I tried to speak and I tried to talk to them and I actually couldn't speak so I no way my mouth and words weren't coming out I was like gagging on my own words oh my goodness and um and they, they were visiting from the UK and the, the British approach to this was, let's go for a beer. It'll be fine. <laughs> so the immediate reaction was, have a drink. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> didn't fix anything. I didn't even manage to take a sip of the drink. But um, I, I called my GP and that was my first touch point. Uh, so my doctor back in the UK and after she told me that I should quit my job and I persuaded her that that just wasn't going to happen. I uh, was able to be, start a an online course of mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. So it's a, a very well-evidenced approach to cognitive behavioral therapy that you can do through meditation, through mindfulness meditation. And so I was reading books, I was doing activities online and I was doing recorded meditations. And that was like my first intro before I had one-to-one therapy and the one-to-one therapy was I would suggest the the most powerful thing in my recovery long term but as an intro that mindfulness-based cognitive therapy was so powerful for me within such a short space of time within two weeks I was starting to feel the differences of you know, not being forgetful about everything, feeling more energy, feeling more refreshed in the mornings, being more patient with people, so many things so quickly. So 
that would be definitely you know a tip to listeners. There's a book called Finding Peace in a Frantic World um, by Mark Williams and Danny Penman. And if I could buy a book for every single person in the world, I would buy them that book and make them do that eight-week program because it's so powerful for people if they are struggling, but just as much for people who aren't, just to, to sense that there is more to life than the rush that we're all going through. You can really um, get so much from simple practices uh, like the ones that they teach in that book. Yeah, because my thought would be, I'm sure most people who are listening, they they're like, I don't want to quit my job. <laughs> you know, it's I've got to I've got to survive and I've got to do all those things. So, like, is there besides you know going to your doctor and having a therapist or a coach or or somebody like that? What other things can you do? And it sounds like this is a good first step. It's reading this book, perhaps, or taking a course on mindfulness. Yeah, I do. I very strongly believe that uh, doctors. And I believe probably globally, I'm I'm more experienced in the UK, but um, doctors are quite quick to say, oh, stop work. I, I don't think it's the best thing for most people because it is what gives us a sense of routine. It gives us a sense of purpose. A lot of us who have got to that position in life have actually given a lot of our, our value and our worth to our work. So to take our work away is like, so who am I? you know, what, what does that make me? So I think work is a very important part of our mindset in terms of a positive mental health support. Uh, it's just about knowing how to do that. So I do think that people uh, can learn a lot from that idea of actually work is health enhancing if we know how to do it. And and the mindfulness book is a really great way to start. The other thing is to make sure that we do have time every day to replenish our psychological resources by taking ourselves offline, not just being on tech all time, all the times, all day. Uh, so whatever that requires you to do, a lot of the CEOs I've spoken to and the leaders I work with, the only way they can do that is physically remove themselves from their devices by getting out of the house and leaving phones and laptops at home or by committing to some time to play with your kids or to do something where you really just can't have that technology because we've become so addicted to it in the modern It's bad. So, yeah, so tech-free time is also really, really important um, and, you know, learning to say no so that you've got that time out. Um, So that's definitely something that's very important as well. Well, Charlotte, this has been such a great conversation. I think this is so important and there's, I mean, you're doing some really good work and I, I encourage people to to take your advice and some of the tips that you provided. Anything else that we missed that you think like, Oh, leaders could really benefit from hearing what I have to say on, on uh, related to this. You know, I think we've covered most of the, most of the things. It's a very unique thing, what each leader needs. And, there, and there's a huge t- amount to be said that I'm not the expert in any other person's life. And so I can't say that everybody needs this, that or the other. But leaders need to appreciate that they need to keep exploring their own toolkit that helps them to be at their best and be honest about what that really means, because that is about them being able to be at their best in their personal lives, as well as their work lives, so that their work lives supports their personal life and their personal life supports their work life and when we get that right then they're both supporting each other and we get this kind of upward spiral to improved quality of life improved performance and that has a ripple effect throughout society where can people learn more about you or or any resources that you want to point people to that you have 
so the best place is to probably look on my website, which is charlottewiseman.com. There's a wellness blog and uh, some resources on there. There are also, I'm often posting things on LinkedIn. So to look me up on LinkedIn is another good idea uh, because I, I'm usually adding bits there about the public courses I'm doing, uh, as well as some of the work that I'm doing with different organizations. So I'd say those are the best two places to, to start. And then if there are questions, always feel free to email me, uh, charlotte at charlottewiseman.com. And I can answer questions, send additional resources, help you out in any way that uh, I can. Charlotte Wiseman, thank you so much for coming on the Transform Your Workplace podcast. It's been such a pleasure having you on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Brandon. 